Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 262 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is a senior sales engineer for Keysight Technologies, where he helps customers to diagnose problems and then build a vision of the required solution. He is also the creator of the website wethesalesengineers.com and its corresponding podcast to help other sales engineers develop and improve their careers. So welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast, Ramzi Majaba. Thank you. Happy to be here. Ramsey, I really wanted to get a bit of an understanding of your role as well. So it's a term I haven't necessarily come across. So senior sales engineer, could you maybe give us a bit of a, a view or an insight into that? Sure. Um, sales engineers are part of the sales team in most companies. And our job is to meet with customers, uh, diagnose whichever problems that they're running into, and then providing a solution from whatever portfolio we are selling in order to solve that problem. Okay, so in terms of um, engagement with clients, I presume that that is your your main sort of focus, um, but also presumably bringing that information and, and build, being that sort of linchpin between the technical delivery and the end user. De- depends on the company. So I do a lot of my own technical deliveries. Uh, I recommend the solutions. I do my own technical deliveries. I also... Uh, train customers on using the product. There's a salesperson who takes care of uh, the selling part, if you will. Yeah. Uh, I'm more like the doctor who tries to understand and prescribe uh, Right, right. So it's almost like a consultancy role in, in some respects. You're analyzing the problems. Yeah, to an extent. And a consultancy would solve the problem with any types of product. I'm limited to whatever portfolio my company sells. Right. Okay. Understood. Good. Okay. Um, so, Ramsey, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? We work a lot in technology, and we tend to be very technology-focused, uh, the latest and greatest. But we tend to forget about the human side, the human skills that needs to be enhanced to be able to work with other people, to have a conversation so my my career tip would be work on the human skills, whether it's communication, persuasion, uh, demonstration, whatever it is, whatever it's interaction with other people, don't forget that. Yeah. Okay. And what do you do yourself? How do you how do you build those those skills in your in your own abilities? Well, funny you should ask. That's the reason I started my podcast is because after a after a year and a half of sales engineering, although I've hit my quota because sales engineers are quota-based and commission-based as well. Uh, I've hit my quota and only to realize that I'm not really good at my job. (laughs) Right. Okay. Which is why I started the podcast. Um, And so I can have conversations with other SEs. SEs are kind of remote employees who don't deal with anybody from within your company. Most of the people they deal with are customers. So there is no way to gauge... If we're doing right, doing wrong, we make our quota, we're doing great. Yep. But we could do, be doing so much more and helping our customers so much better if we're able to 
increase our skills. And I, I do that through the podcast by talking to other people and seeing what I need to work on. Sure. Okay. So obviously measuring your own abilities um, is obviously to a certain extent um, based upon your own va- what you believe your own value to be. But presumably you're hitting your quotas or your targets anyway. Um, and, and the company you work for must be reasonably satisfied with that. But presumably it's in your own interest to to exceed those those ob- you know, objectives or or expectations. Well, the way quota works for most sales engineers is that it goes up every year. So this year I hit my quota by coasting. Next year I'm going to have to work hard to hit my quota, just as right. an example. Yeah. Which means if I can get efficient at my job, if instead of meeting the customer five times to be able to convince them that my product does work for them, I can meet them once and answer all their questions and show them that I solved their problem. Um, I'm five times more efficient and I sold faster. Right. right. And in terms of um, obviously then you, you say obviously that the, the quota increases every year. Does that create sort of almost like a natural um, attrition rate within, within sales engineers? Well, not all sales engineers are happy about it. It is the way uh, it works. That's why a lot of sales, there's a lot of turnovers when it comes to salespeople. Sales engineers yep. usually get a big base, right, uh, compared to their commission. So it doesn't affect us as much in terms of like our salary, but it does affect us. And if we're not making our quota, it does look bad. Like it's like you're not doing your job. If someone's in yep. IT and they're just not upgrading all the equipment all at the same time or all in a timely fashion. It looks bad. It reflects badly on them. Same way with quota. Uh, uh, quota, right. I feel it's more of a measurement of performance than it is uh, a salary thing for SEs. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ramsey, we're going to move on to the next point. So in terms of your own career, what's the worst moment you've experienced and what did you learn from that? So this happened while I was a network design engineer. We're used to our set of tools. Like uh, I, I, I use something called Secure CRT to connect to my routers, my equipment, whatever tool that anybody uses. We're used to that. And I had a customer who used a different set of tools, and I needed to copy their configuration from their router onto my computer because I needed to do some changes. I highlighted everything, and in my program, if I right-click, I think I can then copy and paste it on my notepad. In this case, I right-clicked, and it copied the same configuration over on the same router. Now, generally speaking, that may do nothing, but this is a live network, and I'm not 100% sure what reconfiguring a router does. Yeah. It could cause a blackout, or it could do nothing because it's the same configuration over. And... The biggest lesson learned here is know the tools that you're using. Right-click uh, can paste in one one application, can do something else in another application. And I realized that a gym is a very good release for me because as soon as that happened, I carried my bag, went to the gym. In case I get fired, I'm not able to go to the gym afterwards. <laughs> right. Okay. But it, but it, obviously, the, the lesson being understanding you know, what you're doing and what the consequences potentially are. Um, so do, what do you do differently now? Do you make sure you don't get into those sorts of situations or, or you know, what, what steps do you take to avoid that? I, I just, I make sure I know the tools that I'm using. If I'm used to using one set of tool, I'll try to use that all the time. If I am forced to use another set of tool, I'll make sure that I am familiar with it 
before I have to do something uh, big on a live network. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. Good. Okay. And Ramsey, can you tell us about your career highlight to date? I don't have, well, I guess getting a job as a sales engineer is a career highlight for me. That, that was one thing. Another one is doing an accidental demo that worked very well. Uh, demos demonstration i can tell you yep. uh, either one of these stories which one would you prefer <laughs> well let's go for the latter one that sounds interesting and slightly intriguing as well yeah so uh the bane of every sales engineer is having to do a demo that they didn't actually un- understand what the problem is like yeah a salesperson this is what happened with me my salesperson calls me up and says you have a demo with this big with our biggest customer this friday and it's on this. And whenever I asked him a set of questions, he couldn't answer the, those questions. And me being a, an inexperienced SE, I just went along with it. Um, and then I showed up to the demo only to, to find out that what my sales guy told me was 90% incorrect. My solution was to skip that 90% and just do the 10%. And that's exactly what the customer wanted to see. And I didn't have to do anything. And we sold the product. Right, so you very much focus on, you know, what their problem was, presumably. Yeah, well, uh, sales engineers, some of us, we tend to kind of show step by step what you need to do in order to do to do to get the result. Most yep. customers are just worried about the result, and I learned that through that demo that I didn't need to do that ninety percent. They just wanted to see the results, and here you go. There's the results. It has all every all the information that you guys want. Doesn't matter how we got here, we can train you on that. But this is what you need, right? And it's like, yeah, that's yeah. exactly what we need. Right, perfect. Good. Okay. Um, it's interesting you you talk about this in particular. Um, obviously, having been on the other side of the the fence on the sort of client side when you're receiving a, a presentation or a demonstration of, of a tool, um, it's it's sometimes very difficult for the the, the sales team to really understand what it is that the client actually wants um, and, and the amount of times I've sat personally through a presentation or a demonstration of a tool which has no bearing on the problem that I'm trying to solve is I, it must have happened I don't know a dozen times or more um, so presumably you do see that you do have to you know go through that process sometimes where the where what you present isn't really aligned to the the customer's needs I, I early in my career yes right now uh I do. I like to do discovery calls, and discovery calls is what I mentioned earlier. Uh, it's yep. a, do- a doctor trying to understand what the problem is. If like we're both busy, I'm I'm busy as a sales engineer. My sales guy is busy as a salesperson. The customer is busy because their job is much more than just sitting and listening to salespeople talk. So I want to make sure if I'm gonna come in, spend three hours preparing for a demo, or two days preparing for a demo. Or a presentation. I want to make sure that I am solving a problem, which is why I always ask for that meeting ahead of time. Now, the discovery meeting, where I can come in and make sure that we actually have uh, our solutions to solve the problems that the customer have, not the problems yeah. I wish the customer had, because that happens all the time. It's like I wish the customer had this problem, so I'm going to show them this product, but that's not how it works, and you end up having. Uh, a very bored audience who are looking at their watch, replying to emails or joking around with their friends while I am sweating and 
I, I'm, I'm seeing my demo crumble before my eyes because nobody cares about it. Yeah. No, exactly the point. I think, yeah, it's that, that, in, that discovery activity or the time you put into that can obviously save you a lot of, a lot of pain later on. And obviously you, you could waste your time if it's just not the right client to be standing in front of. Yeah, and generally speaking, we it's it's uh, it's a something we have to overcome. The salespeople are in a hurry to sell, yeah. and the customers are in a hurry to solve their problems. So a lot of customers are not open to that discovery call. Just just show me what you have. They say, and I'll make the decision. But when we want to show you what we have, that takes a few hours of our time, and it also. Like it takes a few hours of your time because you have to sit down and listen, and then you're gonna have the sales guy calling you afterwards all the time to see if we're good. So investing a, sh- a smaller portion of time ahead of the demo could save everybody a lot of time post demo. Agreed. Yeah, definitely. I think it's something everybody can take away from that. Definitely. Good. Okay. Um. So Ramsey, what excites you about the future of the IT industry in particular? The IT industry changes quite a bit. Like everybody used to have their own servers, now it's going to the cloud. Everybody's worried about security as well. It's just the fact that it's always changing and always advancing. That means our if we advance with it, we're always going to have a job. Uh, so that that's I feel like that's something that's exciting about the yeah. IT industry specifically, and for sales engineers as well. Yes, I'd better say, so from, from your own perspective, presumably that means you have to be continually learning and keeping up with the, with things that are that are new products, particularly within your own company. Yeah, it's uh, there's always, it's continuous learning. Uh, when I yeah. w- worked previously, in, I worked in support and I also worked in network design, my knowledge base was so focused on, the, on two products or three products that I didn't know what happened in the entire network. Now as a sales engineer where I see all of that, it's just... I have a better understanding of what customers are trying to solve. And it's more fun for me than just focusing on one aspect. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. We're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. So what first attracted you to a sales engineering role? I I used to work, I mentioned earlier, as a network design. And I felt it doesn't matter how many projects I work on, my salary is my salary. And... At the end of the day, I am at the mercy of my manager to fight for a bonus or a raise or whatever it is. And also, I was focused on a couple of different products only. The The beauty about sales engineering is if you close more projects because you're commission-based, you get paid more money, you're rewarded for your overtime that you've been working on. The customer that's been giving you a hard time and you were able to convince them to buy from you. So you're rewarded based on your performance, not just uh, as an hourly rate, because I could be getting paid the same amount as somebody who's not doing anything all day as a network design, and that I did not like that. Yeah. So okay. that, that, that attracted me quite a bit. What is the best career advice you've ever received? Uh, it's sales engineering related, and it's from my VP of sales, which... And he told me, don't show the entire fruit basket. And what he meant by that is we were working with a customer and he was asking for something. We had a solution for him today. I also knew that we might be, com- we might be coming up with something in like a year. And I mentioned that to him and he almost did not buy anything. 
and a year came by and we didn't have that other product that, that got canceled. So basically solve the problem with what you have today, not what yes. might be coming down the line. Yeah. I think from a sales perspective, that that's obviously very important. Yeah. And even from a customer's perspective, like he promised his people that he's going to get something in the future that we weren't able to provide because yes. it was just a theory. Like we might be having that. So, and they needed a solution today. Why did I make him wait? Why did I promise him? Like, it, it, from a sales perspective, it's not great. From a customer's perspective, as well, we made him. I made him look bad in front yeah. of his customers because every every person I work with has his own customers, even if they're internal to their own company. Okay, and conversely, what is the worst career advice you've ever received? Um, it wasn't advice. It was something I learned from my sales guy. And it's something called spray and pray. Have you heard of that? Uh, yeah, I have. But yeah, go on. Spray and pray is basically I come in with a with a slide deck and not do any discovery and just go through every slide and ask the customer, is this something that's interesting for you? Is that something yeah. that's interesting for you? And after an hour and a half of going through slides, I I can see I can feel my customer glaring at the back of my head and my head burning up. Um, so that's what I learned from him, and that's the worst piece of advice I've I've ever been given. If you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? Maybe go into sales engineering sooner, or but that's a better uh, a better piece of advice would be uh, find industry standard certification and do those not certification specific to your company because that's what I worked for Alcatel Lucent. They had their own certification program. Yeah. Cisco has its own certification program. Nobody cared about Alcatel Lucent certification. Everybody cared about Cisco certification, although they're equivalent. I sh- yeah. Yeah. So I should have done that. All right. Okay. I mean, from a company perspective, it does make sense, doesn't it? If you can have your own internal accreditation process, um, and, and it does sort of tie people in in some ways because they don't have that industry certification or recognition. It's uh, from uh, I'm specific to my situation. The information in the certification was the same. Yep. It's just like if you're talking about technology, technology is the same. It's just how to configure it is different. But if you learn it on one router, you can do it on all routers. Like I could go and work on Cisco routers easily with the information that I had. But yeah, like uh, Nokia would want people to be certified with Nokia or Alcatel Lucent would want people to be certified with Alcatel Lucent uh, certification. Same with Cisco, same with Juniper. Yeah, but I would go for the industry standard nowadays instead of company specific. What career objectives are you currently focusing on? Um, The biggest one is to help as many sales engineers learn how to become better sales engineers. That's my main goal, mainly because there aren't any resources. There are resources for salespeople, resources for engineers or technical folks, nothing for this weird blend of sales and engineering. And that's my goal. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? Listening. Listening to customers, listening to account managers, listening to product managers, whoever it is, just listening to what they have to say. Usually they say a lot more than they mean. 
which helps me do my job better. Yeah. Do, do you think in some ways it's listen first as well? Yeah. Like, oh, listen as much as you can. Some yeah. people are worried, uh, thinking about the next question that they want to ask. And I find myself running into that problem when I have, when I'm interviewing someone on my own podcast, I'm thinking about the next question. I forgot to listen <laughs> to what he's actually answering or she's actually answering. Yes. So it, it is, it is hard. It's, People think listening is easy. I, I challenge people to write down how many times they daydream during this podcast. Yeah. You might be right. Yes. And what do you do to keep your own career energized? I started my podcast and I keep learning from people and trying to continuously advance my skills as a sales engineer. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? Right now, like with the whole uh, situation going on around us, I'm I hang out with my family a lot. Even before then, I I tend to hang out with my family a lot. When this whole thing clears back up, I'm gonna return to jujitsu. Oh yeah, it's very humbling. I'm six foot two, which is uh, 186 centimeters, 87 yep. centimeters, and 280 pounds, and being beaten up by a 5'11 person that's half my weight is just humbling <laughs> yes I haven't experienced that but I can imagine <laughs> yeah. and Ramsey can you share with us a parting piece of career advice I, I would go back to my first piece of advice learn how to communicate with people effectively so you get them to do whatever it is that you need them to do especially if it's a good thing if it's an evil thing don't do it but if it's for their benefit, learn how to do that. Yeah. And finally, can you tell us how we can find out more about you and connect with you? Sure. Uh, my website is wethesalesengineers.com. Um, I'm Ramsey Marjaba on LinkedIn and we the SEs on Twitter. Reach out anytime. Ramsey, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Hi, Phil here again. Just a final few words from me. Firstly, I'd like to thank my guests for sharing their career tips, experiences and insights with us on the show today. As you probably know, there have been more than 200 guests on the show so far and I'm continuing to try to attract new guests that can provide great insights to all of us. However, to enable me to do this, I need to ensure that the podcast continues to grow and reach an extended audience. And you can help me in doing this by subscribing to the show and providing a rating and review in whichever platform you listen to. Thanks again for your support. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.